Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 196, inching towards that 200 with Arya 4 in a Game of Thrones. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Why did you say, of course? I don't know. I just wanted to say a thing. I, sometimes you I want to mix don't it like up. mixing it up. I don't know. I mean, we're almost at 200 episodes. Don't the people want to know how we keep it fresh at home together? I guess so. Happy wife's happy life's. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we are always happy wives <laughs> with happy lives when it comes to one another. But you know who else we like to keep happy? Happy patrons, happy lives. You know what I mean? They're my homies. And this month, this past month, we put out a new patron bonus episode for those strangers in the stranger tier and above. That's the five buck and up tier. And God, what did we talk about? We talked about road trips. It was great. It was a fun ass episode. It was vibes all the way down. It, it was very vibes. As the person who edited it, I was like, this is a very vibes episode. If you want something laid back, uh, just relax, you know, turn your brain off a little bit. You can have it a little bit on as a treat this summer. <laughs> you can throw on that episode. It, it meanders, takes you on a journey, just like a road trip does. Yeah, I, I actually would venture to say you should listen to it on your road trip because I think, you know, it's got a little a Song of Ice and Fire at the end. It's got a big chunk of other media in yeah. the middle and front. It's got stories. It's got anecdotes. It's got stupidity. I think it's a perfect episode. It is meant to follow the form of a road Yeah, we trip. even argue yeah. in it. Oh, we argue true. at one point, like yeah. a family in a car. That's actually how, <laughs> a we, family. That's actually how we keep it fresh, you know. <laughs> arguing uh, for yeah, you yeah. yeah come listen to us argue on patreon.com <laughs> slash girls god canon uh, <sighs> that's not the only perk that our patrons can get so if you're in the thunder tier and above you can see us argue live on discord all the time or do our Just dishes kidding. um <laughs> Or to our dishes. Uh, she's never letting it go that she did her no, dishes okay, during I'm last sorry, month's I Discord. Be, I'm sorry. I'm, I actually feel a little guilty about that, but uh, <laughs> sorry, everyone. Hey, I'm in the middle of a move. Bitches gotta do their dishes. Bitches do dishes. Bitch, you know what I mean? Uh, that's what they say. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> absolutely what I think. Women's place in the kitchen for sure. Chloe doing dishes. Yeah, that's why we're doing these Arya God. episodes. That's what we want to stress during these episodes about Arya Stark. Woman hey, Heron Hall is coming. Heron Hall is coming true. very soon. So gear up for Woman in the Kitchen. She does go in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah briefly in, Boy this, in the uh, kitchen. In this chapter. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does some tripping in the kitchen. Oh. Uh, but back to Discord. There was a segue that we were taking to Discord. <laughs> we, we took the long way around. What a road trip we just went on. Yeah. Our Discord friends, our patrons of the Thunder tier, the ten dollar tier and above have access to a monthly event on our Discord called Brunch Slash Happy Hour. It is a fun couple of hours. It's actually two hours for the price of one in the title, so congratulations. And we hang around. Sometimes we play reindeer games. My computer, my personal computer is dying, so right, not, not lately, but we will soon. We do some games, get to know yous, we chat, we... Uh, discourse about media or about nothing. Sometimes we talk about the state of the world that is crumbling around us together, which is always fun, in my opinion. 
<laughs> like straight up we do sometimes it's good it's good yeah. existential yeah but yeah so that's happening this month in august we're doing one of course god it's like our i think we've done like a lot of these <laughs> what a great I think number about it, like, chloe a lot of these <laughs> Like, I think we're in, like, the 20-plus. I don't know. This is, I actually uh, don't know. It's a very... I want to say we're in the 20-plus. I'd have to look at it, but maybe, 12 to 24 of these, somewhere in this range. Maybe we should have One numbered One to two them. years. I mean, we number all the other things, but maybe we don't need to number it. You know, it's, it's free God. form. Yeah. Well, so, August... It's jazz. Is that? <laughs> August is going to be Sunday, the 27th at 3 p.m. E.T., and then we'll also be convening. We've already chosen September's on the 23rd from 3 p.m. ET on as well. So come hang out at either of those if you are on our Patreon, on our Patreon as a Thunder Tier member. And uh, Thunder Tier members also get basically asterisk lifetime access to the Discord server. The asterisk is as long as the Discord server is alive. And of course, uh don't be an asshole because you don't want to get kicked for that that's like an embarrassing asterisk so yeah lifetime hashtag lifetime yeah you're in like the lifetime channel or the band oh my god um both very different hacker voice very different we got you in uh, well now that we've discussed all that are you ready for the emails and tweets of note, and I said it here towards the later part of our intro because it goes and segues perfectly into one of the first emails that I want to call out from our friend Clint of the Learned Hands podcast saying, if you ever stop opening these episodes with Are You Ready? I will sue. I know it was a little later, but I just had a perfect segue, Clint, so I think that I should get an excuse and it technically is still opening the episode. Please don't enable her. This is her season. It's it Leo is Leo season. season. Please enables don't me enough. <laughs> enable the Leo, Clint, whoever you may be. Uh, if that is your real name. No, it is. But thank you, Clint, for not suing us. You're not our lawyer, so that could be a problem if you sue us. That's true. That's Asterisk. True. <laughs> Up next, we got an email from Sabrina. Dreamfire, Brittany McLean on Twitter, who is a fan of our podcast and of Aria. She's also a fan of the Stark sisters and Same. that we're not pitting them against one another. Hashtag yes. When they first got into the books, they remember there was a lot of you either liked Sansa or you liked Aria and Sabrina loves them both. Same. Hates when people, you know, hate on either of them. Anyways, Sabrina says, people think of Sansa versus Arya along the lines of girly girl versus tomboy because Sansa tends to be super feminine while Arya tends to be one of the boys, so to speak. But I like to think about them along the lines of Sansa being kind of the good kid. Oh, yes. If hmm. she had lived in our world, she would get straight A's and be a bit of a teacher's pet, be a bit haughty as a result and always follow the rules. I definitely can see that. Agreed. While Arya hmm. tries to be that, she doesn't quite fit. That plot point that Arya is left-handed and stories being set in a medieval setting love to use not liking needlework as a sign of being not like the girls, other girls. That's what's going on with Arya, but she can't do needlework as well as Sansa because she's literally different than her. Septimordain mm -hmm. doesn't do anything to account for or accommodate that and makes her feel like she's the bad one. Arya doesn't really want to be part of a society with these arbitrary rules that she doesn't understand. One that's kind of unfair and conflicts with her own sense of justice. And that's why I love Arya. 
Uh, I really loved that at the time when this email came in. Sabrina hadn't gotten to the Arya 2 episode, and I think that I think that we resonated similarly with our thoughts on Arya. In fact, I hope that uh, my my left-handedness feels like a part of this. It really does. It does. I feel does. I feel seen. I feel seen because also in a not medieval setting that happened to me about my left hand. So yeah, I think I mean as as I've stressed constantly, right? I strongly feel that Sans and Arya's stories complement one another. It doesn't really make sense to pit them against one another, even though. George does at the beginning to an extent. It's a little bit his fault, and uh, I'll I'll bring up that Reddit comment eventually, just because I don't feel like finding it now. But uh, I think it does a great job of summarizing why people feel that way at the beginning, which, again, is I think a little bit of weakness of the writing. But I think Sabrina does a great job of showing it as like the good kid or like the bad the bad one, right? Whereas you know the bad one is Septimordain. Uh, Jk Jk, unless. Um, <laughs> but inside of you, there are two wolves, and it is Sansa and Arya, figuratively, and it's still only figuratively, but it's a little bit almost literal because they're Starks. Get it? No, literally, there is a Sansa and an Arya <laughs> within all of the genders, like any of the genders. You know what I mean? Like, that's it, it, there's two parts of you, and one is each, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Thank you, Sabrina. Yes, yes. And then we also got another email. We're getting a lot of emails during these Arya episodes. Very exciting. People were really excited for Arya. They were ready. <laughs> well, we said, I hope Arya they ready? stay they ready. Like, yes. Yeah. For a long time. Our friend Bela Breakwind wrote in to, to us and said, Good morning, girls. I'm listening to your new episode. And not only do I think you aren't crazy about Rainies <laughs> potentially working into her kitten. And when we talk about Rainies, we mean the most recent one. All right. Um, there's a lot of them throughout history. But I also think it could be a good gardening indication of what's to come for John and Rickon. It's said that skin changers become more feral and more in tune with their animals as time goes on. So maybe all little Rainies has left is her hatred <laughs> of the people who killed her and her family. I think this could indicate that A, John is going to be much more animalistic when he returns from the dead, and B, Rickon will be more wolf than boy. When Davos finds him, which will lead to the decision to leave him on Skagos with the Occupational Health <laughs> and Safety Administration. Okay, a second. I had to read that aloud to, to understand that we're going I'm in for, pieces um, right now. I'm in that's pieces. Good. That's good. Um, thank you so much, Bela Breakwind, for sharing this. And I like that. I it, it makes sense also when you think of what? Oral, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. The hatred that grew, right? And yeah. the way that the eagle acts... And it, it tracks with what we know from Veramir's chapter. Yeah. Also, even with if you think about it, different kind of second life, Lady Stoneheart, right? All that's left of her is that desire for vengeance. Mm-hmm. Her eyes see and they hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you, Bela Breakwind. Wow. These emails are great. I'm I'm glad yeah. that we're getting this influx. I want to see it kept up for the next year and a half. I want you all Ooh, to keep it yeah. up. That's the keep challenge. Up this the gauntlet. Yeah, every single book. It's a little on us too. You know, we have a responsibility to you know report out. I guess, and I know sometimes I uh I fail, <laughs> but these are great. Everyone, keep up the energy. Honestly, I I love these emails though. I like hearing what everyone else is thinking and. Uh, makes us all feel together you know like you're here too well i also feel like we're all together when we get to do a lightning round 
you know, mm-hmm. makes me feel real mm-hmm. close to you all. I hope you feel close to me. These are the things I think when I think about these chapters, you know, this is just right off the old skull. Eliana, I've got a couple doozies in here for you today. Okay. Hope you're primed. Hope you're ready. This uh, is how we keep it spicy. <laughs> again, lots of how spiciness in this relationship. The yeah. lightning round. Get it? Uh, Get it? Well, we're keeping the spark, but we're not keeping the Starks. Or we're only keeping the Starks, I should say. Because Except for uh, one. <laughs> yeah, we, we've cut out, we've cut out, cut out everything but the Starks for this here lightning round. You know? Mm. Mm, I see, so, I see. All right. Without further ado, Eddard 8. Sickened by his boss's behavior, Ned quits his hand job. <laughs> Thank you. Kettle and Six. Cat and Kel ascend the Eerie with their prisoner Tyrion. Eddard 9. Kidnapped. <laughs> oh my god, it reminds me of 30 Rock. Jenna, I am kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't oh, think I watched enough 30 Rock. Oh, you gotta, you gotta. Eddard 9. After heading for a lad's night out with Littlefinger, Ned is ambushed by Jamie Lannister. Brand 5. Brand, who is no longer having what I would call a good childhood, gets attacked by six outlaws in the woods. Thinks that's a favorite what? of mine, that one. That doesn't happen to everyone? I mean... There's this line in, uh, there's a line in Bob's Burgers where Bob's like, Linda, I don't think I had a good childhood. And Linda's like, of course not. No one with a good (laughs) childhood stands like that. Look at your posture. (laughs) Like, poor Bran. (laughs) I have to fix my posture now. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, well, I guess I can't. Any, uh, yeah, I I also, you, like, reach a certain, I don't know, class level and, like... Stories always have at least one person get trying to get kidnapped. You know, that's what Rush Hour is about. Eddard 10. Ned has a horrible dream about an old tower, and his best friend tells him, much like we tell each other weekly, you are not allowed to quit this job. <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, Catalan 7. A duel proofs Tyrion's honor. Does it? John 5. John passes his tests as a new recruit of the Watch, but remembers that the Lone Wolf dies and makes sure Sam, part of his new back, survives. Aww. Thanks. Eddard 11. Eddard plays Robert for a day, and in the Hour of the Wolf, he dispenses true justice from the Iron Throne. Sansa 3. Sansa's entire life is ruined because her stupid dad is making her go stupid home to stupid Winterfell. Ugh. What if they had, like, Sansa's chapters, but in the style of the Lizzie McGuire show? <laughs> That's Please? my new pitch. <gasps> Get rid of Snow. This is my new pitch. I'm gonna cry. At 12, Ned gives Cersei an opportunity to save herself and her children. Eddard 13, on that good decision-making train, Eddard asks Littlefinger for help. John 6. John learns he will be a steward and throws a fit. But before their graduation ceremony in vows, Sam tells him to suck it up. He's being groomed to rule. Yeah, ma'am up. You know? That's what I say in hard times. Ma'am up. Eddard 14. Ned is betrayed by Littlefinger. Gasp. (laughs) Gasp. Who could have seen this coming? And that takes us to... Arya 4 in A Game of Thrones. Arya's childhood is murdered in Cold Blood Before Her, part one. Is this also part of uh, Ch- Arya, who I 
who is no longer having what I would call a good childhood. <laughs> yeah, part Chloe? one. Part one. Okay, got it. Stay got tuned it. for part two. It's next week. But she's got great posture, though. <laughs> Thanks to Syria. Well, yeah, I think like you have to have certain kinds of different posture. Okay, she has incredible upper body strength, as we will discuss this chapter. Yeah, and as we open up this chapter, Sirio is calling out directions to Arya. She's parrying with her stick sword, blocking blows, sidestepping him. She finally sweeps his blade away, almost touching his shoulder, and it it makes her grin, right? She finally accomplished something. They dance left, right, left, right, B.A., select, start, high, low. (laughs) Uh, Sirio hits her with a wooden blade in her breast. She knows that she'll have a new bruise when she finally sleeps tonight, and she thinks, a bruise is a lesson, and each lesson makes us better. Damn, if that isn't the A Game of Thrones Arya metaphor, Mm. right? Because the chips are about to be down real bad. Yeah. Things are about to suck real bad, but I'm enjoying how George is showing us with Arya throughout this chapter and the rest of A Game of Thrones without telling Right, you get to see Arya starts to open up and be more observant immediately. She starts to watch what people are wearing. She begins to think of how to do the opposite of what the normal public is doing, to stay hidden and discreet. We see this as she runs through this chapter and in the next chapter, she learns to blend in. All of this learning is kind of happening in a very unfortunate time (laughs) of urgency and sadness and stress and a traumatic time. You know, with her dad being slaughtered in front of her after her best friend was slaughtered, not in front of her, but bad enough after she had to get rid of her support animal and, um, you know, all all the other bad things. We don't need to really recant them, but it's one of those, like, cheesy motivational memes, you know, like, in times of pressure comes a diamond. Every lesson is a a bruise, but every, every bruise makes us better in the end. Yeah. I don't know if, like, that's necessarily true. It's something that is definitely what people say, right? Like, that the hard right. times make you stronger. And I think, you know, well, for Arya... Out of necessity. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, like, see if that's true or not. And I think a lot of A Song of Ice and Fire makes arguments for both sides. Like, that's the point of the story, right? To explore all those different parts. Because, like, I don't know if Tyrion's... The things that Tyrion went through, right, make him stronger. But they definitely do teach Arya, right? She's learning how to survive better from every bruise. But also, I thought it was an interesting line when put in contrast with, in the same book, uh, Cersei's statement about the bruise that she gets when her husband uh, beats her and says that she will wear it as a badge of honor. Right, like, what was her lesson there? Kill him right. faster? Exactly. Like, it doesn't, like, harm isn't necessarily mm-hmm. always a lesson. So I just thought it was an interesting contrast between those two moments especially because their stories literally intersect yeah and i also find it interesting fascinating all the other synonyms no um i I think there's also something rather interesting in like for aria the first lesson that we're going to see that answer to is that she's going to become like a very mighty person especially as of Mm. a feast for crows she's out there you know just like bumped running through the streets and then dance and the Winds of Winter in Mercy. Uh, no no big spoilers, but what a chapter. She is very capable, right? She's capable of holding her own, blending into the shadows, being able to survive, which is good. But there's a negative side to that, too. Absolutely. That comes from that. And there's a part of that that you don't get back of your childhood once you've gone there. 
So I'm interested to see that part of the consequence of these lessons and bruises. Absolutely. It's a... Yeah, she's a really leveling up, you know, very fast in her D&D class, her D&D oh mode God. class. She really is, I though. I hope. I believe you. <laughs> so Sirius is back, telling her, you're dead. And she accuses him of cheating, that he said left, but he went right. He's like, well, my words lied, but my eyes and arms told the truth, and she did not see. Watching is not seeing, dead girl. The water dancer sees. And he tells her to put her sword down. Tells her to come listen to him. He tells her that he became the first sword to the Sea Lord of Bravos by seeing. The true seeing. And I thought that stood out, right? And as more of the story becomes about, like, green sight. Obviously, there's, like, a true seeing that's being discussed here. But green sight's a thing. And also, the other ways that we see true seeing happen. Like, ironically, Maester Aemon is someone who truly sees through the glamour of Lightbringer, even though he's blind. I love that, and that her first lesson, and this entire passage, we'll come to it, but like it, it, her feast arc ties really great into here, right? Because everything she's doing in feast, where she's seeing when she's blind, she's forced out of her body to see. Mm. They blind her, they take her sight to show that she can still see and figure it out. I mean, this leads so well into that. This is beautifully blended into that as a plot. It's a... Yeah. Uh, it's a seamless like progression for Arya's character, and it's great because when she comes to Bravos, uh, this is her one hundred and one, right? Mm -hmm. This entire passage, especially, is one hundred and one to that. But like, this is it. This is her intro to the rest of her arc. And when she gets to feast, she's kind of like an advanced student. She's already passed those first classes, right? Like they they kind of put her on the streets pretty quick compared to some of the other novices that are inside the temple, just like, you know, doing the pale meat up, cutting up all those people. I mean, pork, cutting the pork up. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. She's she's learning here. She is. She is. And yeah, I guess, you know, she's never going to... We don't really see her becoming like a master swordsman or anything, which is interesting that the show did go that route, because technically, as you said, this is more of her learning seeing and those other sort of like roguelike skills that she builds on in the house of black and white she's good enough with a sword but how good can you be when you've only had a few lessons because your dad got abducted and then your master died okay true very true <laughs> i'm just wondering um <laughs> that's a good question no these are good questions i will say I, again i think it's out of survival right like she doesn't need to be a great swords person yeah except to survive or if situations go awry and need it. It's, I agree. Uh, I think it's more about speed, right? It's about speed, swiftness, mm -hmm. like being small. You know, some, yeah. you know how short people have that like lower center of gravity? No. <laughs> Me either, but I hear about it. I do hear about it. And there's something there with that, I think. There's a, you know, they get the underhand, the underfoot, the oh. underhand. That yeah. Way. It's I, I like what you're saying because that plays into it. She always gets initiative on every role. I'm really I'm yeah. really going into these Dungeons and Dragons shit today. I don't know why. I have I haven't I'm played in a long agree. time. Yeah. I mean I, all I can do is agree. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> anyway. Sirio tells Arya about the Sea Lord's menagerie, where strange and wonderful exotic animals and maybe lemon trees live. Hairy <laughs> mouse pigs as big as cows, striped horses, oh, 
sources, stinging manticores, tigers carrying their cubs in pouch, walking lizards with scythes for claws. Maybe even like aliens. Is this an alien reference? Like maybe lizard oh, people in lizard suits? I, I was know. like, I, I think you're right. Because Scyther is a bug type Pokemon, but all I can see in my head is Scyther. I'm like, it's Scyther! Scyther! The walking lizards with scythes for claws is interesting. The stinging manticores is interesting, uh, considering Daenerys with her stinging manticore that almost gets her in the bazaar. Kind of reminds me of that. The tigers carrying their cubs in pouch. Uh, that reminds me of the Lannisters, just because I'm just, like, telling you what this all reminds me of. Striped Horses does come into her plot, right, very soon. We have a Zorse come into her life with the Mummers, right? The Bloody Mummers coming into town, bringing their Zorse. What else? That, 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 there's something in there. There's something going on there. I don't know why I've never connected in my head the idea of the Bloody Mummers, also with the fact that, you know, Arya does... I'm spoiling shit. Uh, do a little, a little tour with some Mummers. I kind of thought about that a little recently when I was rereading the old wins a winner rag that we got <laughs> out there, you know, the several uh... chapters. So on the day Sirio's telling her all of this, he tells her the current first sword of Bravos had died and he was sent for. So in the lap of the Sea Lord, when he got there for his interview, a fat yellow cat sat. A beast <laughs> from an island beyond the sunrise, he was told. The Sea Lord asked him, have you ever seen a cat like this? And Sirio's like, yeah, every single night I see a thousand of them in the streets of Bravos. The cat was ordinary. Everybody else told him that this cat must be so crazy, you know, insane, a fabulous beast. It's so large. Look at its ears. They're so small. But it was plainly a tomcat. The Sea Lord had called it a her, and that's what others saw. This is, I think, actually very loaded. We'll come back to it in a second. But first of all, I want to say the way that you described this anecdote, I'm now thinking of the Sea Lord of Bravos, like that Taylor Swift, I think, TikTok, where she's like, look at my cat. Look at my cat. Look at my cat. Look at my cat. And it's just know. like the cat over and over. It's a great video. Oh um, I'll check it out. I'll link it in the <laughs> show notes. <laughs> look at Taylor Swift's cat. Um. I would have failed this test. I would have been like, you're right. I've never seen a cat like this. So amazing. It's so beautiful and fluffy. Just like, because every single cat, right? I'll be like, I've never seen a cat like that. So special and so beautiful. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into what you just said out loud. Because I'm like, Eliana, did you look at what's on your ceiling? Oh my god, you did. You just looked what? up. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's on your ceiling you're gullible there's nothing there oh uh, my god she literally looked up i was like what is chloe talking about <laughs> exactly you're gullible i could tell you so one time my dad told this girl and her mom i had to have been like seventh grade 13 12 13 something this girl and her mom that had come over to be my play date we, they have these beautiful Himalayan cats, okay? Gorgeous. Mm, mm, show mm. cats. They're like cream with flame points. Bred to be show cats. Never put through a single show because my mom got them. And she was like, no, they're my perfect baby boys. Um, so these cats, in the summer, it gets so hot, they shave them down. And they give them little lion poofs. And they were kind of in the throes of having the poofiness grow out a little bit. So it looked a little more natural. 
And the mom of this child was like, oh my god, what kind of cats are those? And my dad's like, oh, it's an offshoot of the Liger breed, because this was during the Napoleon Dynamite craze. And the woman, bless her heart, believed him. Like, he just said it with all of the charisma of a Leo. Actually, his birthday is the day after we record this, but uh, all of the charisma of a Leo, and he just said it, and she believed him. Sometimes you can get away with that shit. Uh, I I would have believed him too. You know, I would have believed him, and uh, mm-hmm. I I'm not saying that like I would have believed. I just am saying also that you know all the cats. I've been like, yes, I've never seen a cat like this. Yours is so special. To all the cats you've known before. Yeah, to all the cats I've known before. Oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> to all the cats I've loved before. Uh, if you've shown your feline to Eliana like I have, she's seen my two beautiful, wonderful assistant cats we're friends here. now. Yeah, just know she's thinking about your cat. Yeah. 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 And, and you, as we remind people every now and then, you can email us your pets at girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N, at gmail.com. We love a good pet photo. Please do. Please yeah. do. Well, Arya thinks about it and realizes that he saw what was there. That's all. And then we have this line of, Opening your eyes is all that is needing. The heart lies and the head plays tricks with us, but the eyes see true. Look with your eyes, hear with your ears, taste with your mouth, smell with your nose, feel with your skin. Then comes the thinking, afterward, and in that, knowing the truth. There's something great in that not only is that part of her Bravos 101 training that she already kind of knows a little bit going in, it makes her more advanced when she gets there and feasts, mm. but also when you like hear those things, yes, he's saying, you know, look at the truth that surrounds you, but the truth and all of those things lie in your senses and your senses sense what's around you, which is like life and living. And it like, when you read it out loud, it reminds me of like, just describing like life you know like see with your fucking eyes smell with your nose feel with your skin like you're alive that's what the truth is and like i think it could come back around to you know some of her plot of not being able to choose life choosing survival for these several books and choosing to kill or be killed and choosing to probably not choosing but having to kill zombies uh many zombies maybe multiple zombies we'll find out not just one or two several many Like, what that does to a person, and, like, I don't know, it just reads like a mantra of, like, fucking relax, meditate for a minute, bitch. I don't know, something about the way you read it, maybe. Well, I like what you said, because it reminds me a little of, uh, you know, what to do when you're having, what, an anxiety or a panic attack, right? Like, the, you know, five things you can see, four things you can... This is probably why I have so much anxiety, because I forgot what it was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The three R's. I learned it because of my anxiety, and then I forgot it. (laughs) Now I have problems. So anyway, it's like that. It's like that, friends. Yeah. I don't know. Just something I was musing on. I do have like a real thought, not a, this is my musing on the Aria meditation hour. Though I would pay for that. That would be a great app. The cat is such a great metaphor considering where we are between Sansa chapters and Ned chapters and what's going on Mm. for, of course, the bastard children. All of them. Not just the ones that are the talk of the town right now, which are Cersei's bastard children, right? Big yellow cat. The big yellow cat. If you look with your eyes, what will you see about the big yellow cat? That he's nothing but a plain-ass tomcat. Tommen cat, if you will. Aww. yeah, he's a sweetie. But yeah, like, that Cersei's gotten away with saying, these are my exotic brood. They are Baratheon royal children. And people just follow it, right? And that 
he kind of even says here, Sirio's like people that don't see what the, that don't, you know, that bring up things that go against that flow don't last. Like you have to see with all of this. And Ned does not. He goes against the flow. Maybe he, you know, had he not. But it's not just them. I think it's also a great metaphor for John, right? Who's hidden in plain sight. What's yeah. an easier way of hiding John than letting people believe the rumors that surround him, letting them, you know, see with their eyes, oh, it's Ned's son. That's easy. You tell people it's Ned's son, they believe it's Ned's son. You look at, you know, there's tons of bastards, like another maybe royal, quote-unquote, bastard to talk about with this, too. Um, maybe Rainey's his brother. Yeah, I love I love what you said here of, you know, as you said, being able to see and Cersei's children, even though I do still think it was a really big leap for Ned to be like, well, they're blonde. They're having incest with her twin brother. Literally, she could have been boning anyone else and had dominant traits, but that was the leap that he made and was right. Not the first to die for it, sucker. Yeah, I just still think I'm like, wow, what a strange Won't be the last. leap. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, I, I think the John stuff, as you said, it ties in really well because I'm sure if people really saw and looked closely, they'd see it's not just Ned that he looks like, right? Ned must have been so relieved when Arya came out and was like, oh my god. Oh finally. My god. <laughs> Someone, one of them finally looks like me. Someone will finally believe it. And... It also makes me, it ties into Daenerys' chapters too, right? I think Jor is telling mm -hmm. her right now, like, really look at your brother. Do you really think that guy can rule all these people? She's like, you're right, probably not. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. <sighs> <sighs> anyway, in regards to royalty as well, I think um, this ties into to what you're saying. The cat being no different than any other cat. I think it, there's another aspect in which... I mean, is nobility that different from the people outside the castle walls? No, that's why Arya's able to blend in. They're all just fucking people. You know, someone just said that cat is the king and made them special, right? What's so special about King's Blood that other people have decided and come together and been like, yeah, sure, I fucking see it, I believe it. And it's just like with those trappings of power, just like with Varys and Illyrio's prince. I guess technically Tyrion really saw there in a moment for a bit. He was like, wow... I see you. You're actually supposed to be Prince Aegon. And then, but that was a double fake out. It's kind of funny because they desperately want to believe they're special too, right? That their yeah. blood could like wake stone dragons and shit. It's like, no, you bleed like me, bro. You bleed just like the rest of us. Come here. Let's find out. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of funny and sad, but funny. <laughs> I like that Sirio tells Arya there were tons of men better than him, faster and stronger. Because sword fighting isn't also just about being the strongest, kind of back to what we were saying, that oh, she yeah. might not be the strongest swordsman. Uh, it's reminiscent of like the same lesson Brienne gets from her master at arms, right? That others will underestimate you. Use that. Arya might not be some giant man with mighty arms that can wield like a broadsword or bastard sword, but that's her advantage, right? Needle is her advantage, much like Visenya had Dark Sister. They only see with their eyes while she sees with all of her senses and she knows what there is and what there is not when it comes to battle. Like, she knows what she's capable of. Like, it's like, you know, I've I, I recently finished all the Grishaverse books and there's a, a great concept of, like, you know, they talk a lot about moving matter and how, like, at, at one point, you know, there are a lot of constraints on magic and that they can't get past a certain amount of their science and magic until 
one of the characters kind of like starts to realize like everything is fucking matter. All you have to do is move it. Like I can do anything with matter if I just understand that it's everywhere and it's in everything and everything is it. Like if I can do one, then why can't I move everything around it? And senses are like that, right? Like if you can, you're the only obstacle that you have to overcome. You can move everything around you. So Arya kind of learns that through all this shit. It's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. And also you were talking about the, you know, underestimating her left-handedness plays into that too, right? Playing with people's expectations. Yeah, I'm underestimated every day. Yeah, so true, so true. That's a lefty. (laughs) See, you're underestimating me right now. I see it in your eyes. Oh my god. Uh, she's like, I, you're, I'm estimating you, Eliana. Look up at the ceiling. <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, Eliana, what's on the ceiling? <laughs> I can't believe you looked up. That was funny well, as shit. Like, I wish what, you what all could have seen it. What is the point that she's making? I was like, what is the ceiling? What's on it? Uh, oh, my point was made. Oh, uh, it was made. Okay. Sirio begins to tell Arya that when they reach this Winterfell of hers, it will be time <laughs> for her to use needle in practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sooner than everyone thinks, but their joy is interrupted by a resounding crash of Lannister guardsmen and a knight of the Kingsguard breaking in its Marin Trant as visors up. Arya notes that the red cloaks wore male shirts atop their boiled leather. Great first observation from her, right? Again, seeing with her eyes, they came to make battle, not to guard, not to keep mm-hmm. the peace. A cab. The Kingsguard totally, it's such a ruining moment that Marin Trant walks the fuck in and performs this way like shame shame on you to kingsguard every single place and i love that the the line from serio about reaching winterfell obviously he won't reach winterfell which is kind of fucking sad sad, devastating horrible devastating me but also like when she goes to winterfell that's when it will be time for her to really use needle good point you know when she returns home to kill a bunch of motherfucking whites yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah And, I mean, this is also just, like, a great immediate example of what it means to really be seeing from George, too, the way that he structured this, because Sirio sees so observantly right there, because Arya's about to go, right? Because she's been trained to be, like, you trust authority, right? And she's going to go with Marin Tran, and Sirio's like, hold on, why would the Stark Hand of the King send Lannister guards to go fetch his daughter? So that right there is a great example of seeing and also understanding and meaning. But I like what you called out of Arya noting that the Red Cloaks wore male atop their boiled leather because it makes me think of Catelyn Stark. Mm-hmm. It's a little too late. It's a little too late. But seeing and understanding mail. immediately the meaning of the chainmail with the shirts and also everything else going on at the Red Wedding. Like she sees everything. She just is helpless to stop it. Yeah, and I think she didn't want to believe it, right, and really think about it, but she could see. She thought there was a chance still for peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Catelyn. She believed. That's what it is. My, my poor rains, mom. Yeah, then the reins of Casimir started playing, and she saw in that moment what that meant. Power is power. <laughs> oh my Ugh. god, leave me alone. Cheap party tricks is power. Um, I also think there's something great that both Sansa and Arya are learning this in different Mm -hmm. ways. Sansa is learning that the words that come out of people's mouths are bullshit, right? And to learn to see, to hear, she's learning to hear what they're actually saying. Not see, but hear. Like, for example, the things Joffrey and Cersei say to her, right? Like, those are absolutely tons of lies, and they're saying it to 
you know, seduce her to the dark side, the Lannister side, and keep her as a token to leverage against her family, yada, yada, yada. But I, I think it's really interesting that she's learning to see through the lies of King's Landing, while Arya has to learn to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Arya's learning to see what's there, the lies. I think there's an aspect in which Sansa's also learning to see what people want. Mm-hmm. You know, their desires, their goals. People's desires, yeah. It's you. You are Littlefinger's desire. Anyways, um... Thanks, I hate it. I Yeah. They bid Arya to come with them, and Arya asks why, feeling uncertain. They say that her father wants to see her, but Tyrion Pharrell steps in, asking why her father would send Lannister guards to come get his daughter, as we said earlier, and Meryn tells him to mind his place. But Arya pipes up, being like, yeah, yeah, what he said. Why would my father send- he would never send yeah. you, and raises her wooden stick. Put down the stick, girl, Sir Marin told her. I am a brother of the Kingsguard, the White Swords. So was the Kingslayer when he killed the old king. I don't have to go with you if I don't want. Sir Marin Trant ran out of patience. Take her, he said to his men. He lowered his visor and the men stepped forward for battle. Fear cuts deeper than swords, Arya thinks, fearfully. And Sirio steps between them, asking if they're men or dogs to threaten a child. One of the red cloaks says, Out of the way, old man, but Sirio Pharrell demands respect. Yeah, hitting him with the stick and breaking his hands. I'm just imagining, like, a, the, the, like, I don't know, annoying, like, voice being like, Out of the way, old man! <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, like, Team Rocket in Pokemon. Yes, exactly. Out, out of my way, way, old man! I was thinking Gary Oak in the early, you know, before he goes through character <laughs> wow. growth. Perfect. See, there you go. Smell We're you on later. the same, similar page. Smell <laughs> you later. You are quick for dancing, master. You are slow for a knight. Kill the bravosi and bring me the girl, the knight in the white armor commanded. Four Lannister guardsmen unsheathed their swords. The fifth, with the broken fingers, spat and pulled a free dagger with his left hand. Serial Pharrell clicked his teeth together. Sliding into his water dancer's stance, presenting only his side to the foe. Arya child, he called out, never looking, never taking his eyes off the Lannisters. We are done with dancing for the day. Best you are going now. Run to your father. Arya did not want to leave him, but he had taught her to do as he said. Swift as a deer. Just so, said Sirio Pharrell as the Lannisters closed. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the Duncan Idaho chapter. Oh my god, it's true. It is. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's also another like great immediate example of again what it means to see versus watching because Meritrip is a little slow picking up that like he is not that kind of dancing master mm -hmm. and when he's like you're quick for a dancing master it's like did you not notice the sticks in their hands earlier like what kind of you know, you who were trained in swords did not see what the fuck was going on here. Yeah, and it keeps going through this chapter, right, that people, again, underestimate Arya. They think she is Lady Stark, right? The Hand of the King's Lady Daughter. She's mm -hmm. not. That's Sansa. That's not me. Mm, that's not you. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> well... <laughs> Arya retreats, and she watches, realizing Sirio had been playing a child's game with her, and now he was dancing like a professional. 
She looks at their weaknesses, leather on their legs, bare hands, the caps have no eye cover. Serio beats their asses, one by one. Goddamn, this is such a... These couple pages are hard to read because they're so good. And man, am I misty-eyed reading them. I'm going to get misty-eyed in a second. It's sad. Uh, He beats their asses one by one. He steals a cap right off of one of their heads. What a fucking badass. The last red cloak utters a curse and charges. And Serio rolls right, catching him with a butcher's cut. The man on his knees shrieks. Serio jabs the apple of his throat. Five men are down, dead or dying, by the time Arya's at the door, and Marin Trant curses, sword in hand, calling his men bloody oafs. Aww. I could not include this. I don't know if we'll get through it without me sobbing hysterically. I was reading it last week. Maybe it was the PMS. Maybe it was just life. But man, I, I was I was real fucking sad. I was real devastated. It's I was sad. like, I don't remember it being this sad when her Jedi mentor goes, but... Really? No, it's sad. I was no, it's that sad. I I I do I do. <clears throat> Serial Pharrell resumed his stance and clicked his teeth together. Arya child, he called out, never looking at her. Be gone now. Look with your eyes, he had said. She saw the knight in his pale armor, head to foot, legs, throats, hands sheathed in metal, eyes hidden behind his high white helm, and in his hand, cruel steel. Against that, Sirio, in a leather vest, with a wooden sword in his hand. Sirio, run! The first sword of Bravos does not run, he sang as Sir Marin slashed at him. Okay, I am tearing up right now. I know, now. me too! <laughs> <laughs> Once we're, like, so emotional, we're like, Sirio, Pharrell! I'm a grown-ass bitch! I am a grown-ass bitch! I am a grown-ass bitch who pays her bills! Why am I crying oh right God. now? Sirio, uh, <sighs> Pharrell! I love you, Sirio. Sirio, run! Sirio died for our sins, too. Um, Sirio died for all of our sins. Arya stands frozen, watching the blows. Marin strikes Sirio's wooden sword in two, and wood splinters everywhere, and Arya sobs and runs before she has to watch her first mentor murdered before her very eyes. God. Fuck. George... George, why you do that? We're big sad. Um, I know that nobody. <sighs> fuck, I know that nobody equals no death, right? But that's so silly, especially in a Game of Thrones. There were bodies and nobodies, and it still meant death for a lot of people. Um, in the serial case, dude's dead. He's so dead, and yes, yes, men's lives have meaning, not their deaths. What he provided Arya in tutelage and what he literally opened and closed her eyes to, uh, that that's priceless shit. But also sometimes the rule and the exception are not the same thing, right? Like, this was important that he died. He had to die. This is very, this is right. She can't go on without him dying. Yeah. And no, I, I absolutely agree. Like, he has, like, his death, it has weight. Right? It has meaning because he chose to sacrifice himself, sacrifice being like a big theme running throughout the story, and that you choose and you do it yourself. That's what gives it meaning, as opposed mm-hmm. to you being like, I don't know, I'll sacrifice like my daughter or some shit. You go out on your terms. You protect other people, right? Mm-hmm. When you do it and you give yourself up and put yourself at risk, that is a sacrifice because you are protecting something you care about. And Exactly. 
Again, the Duncan Idaho chapter, though, now that I'm like, maybe that isn't a great comparison, because technically he kind of does. Spoilers, come back. Um, yeah. But but it is also that, in, like, form. It is that, like, in its uh, outward markings, it even has its own litany of fear and shit. Um, over and over again, which we'll get to in a second. But, you know, also what you're saying, right, with, like, that meaning, it, it goes together well also with Ned, whose death has meaning because he's protecting people with it he's protecting his daughter but i think that there's that was just like a few chapters ago ned's fever dream and i think there's a parallel there's a sort of like poetic uh rhyming here with sirio farrell saying the first sword of bravos does not run and then in ned's fever dream as he remembers coming up against the king's guard at the tower of joy of the king's guard does not flee then or now said sir arthur as he donned his helm you have these great echoes of loyalty and, and of men who die to protect children, to protect innocents, from Ned to the Kingsguard and then to Sirio Pharrell. That's great. That's so great. It really does echo that, like, the real duty, especially that we just watched Marin Trant completely shit on what the duty of the Kingsguard really should be about. Ooh, yeah. Which, which Arya calls out, right? And, Yeah. <sighs> Arya runs through the kitchens, bowling over the workers. Sirio's words are repeating in her head. Swift as a deer, quiet as a shadow, fear cuts deeper than swords. Quick as a snake, calm as still water, fear cuts deeper than swords. Strong as a bear, fierce as a wolverine, fear cuts deeper than swords. The man who fears losing has already lost. Fear cuts deeper than swords, fear cuts deeper than swords, fear cuts deeper than swords. Again, it is her own litany of fear, as we discussed last chapter and a second ago. A mirror, it's also a mirror, right, to earlier Arya chapters, as she was before running through and sneaking through kitchens in order to get treats, but now she's running through the kitchen in order to escape. The treat is her life. There's also an aspect in which we can unpack this a different time, unless we want to do it now, but I haven't thought much about it, of how this contrasts then with the lesson that Ned gives of fear is important i guess this doesn't counter it right it's just saying fear cuts deeper yeah. than swords um not that you shouldn't feel it and therefore be brave but that is the point of fear right that it is deeper it, it's more it's complex true. fear is a complex thing right like i think of the litany i think of like you know i will face my fear i permit it to pass over me through me when it's gone i'll turn the inner eye to see its path and when it's gone mm. there will be nothing only i will remain and it goes back kind of like what we spoke about, that it's a, a calming, it's an anxiety reducing, it's being able to see clarity yeah. in a storm, right? It's something to center you and focus you and, yeah, yeah, a sword, a sword, yeah, oh, make whoa, you a sword, whoa. a sword of storms, wow. Wow. But yeah, I, I, and I really love that repeated here, like this passage especially is like quite obviously, yes, influenced by the ancient Jedi texts do, <laughs> very much so. There's a part of me that wonders if we're going to see it come back, because we haven't seen it come back that much more often in Arya's storyline. So I feel like it has to later on as a sort of, you know, again, rhyming mm. with her earlier chapters. And there's a part of me that wonders if she would use fear, weaponize it as a way of preying on people's fears as a way, again, as part of her arsenal, not just the swords, you know, like kind of doing some psychological like mind game, psychic damage. Or something. I have one thing 
with that that I think is interesting is like maybe this will be repeated before she stabs the Night King. Uh. I'm just kidding. That was such a fucking joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was like interesting. Anyway. Arya reaches the turret stair and she freezes for a moment. Up or down? Up means Tower of the Hand, but that's where they would expect her to go. Never do what they expect, Syria once said, so down she goes, emerging into a vaulted cellar of casks of ale. The cellar was a dead end. She thinks she has to find her dad and tell him what happened, that he'd protect her. (laughs) She begins to climb from casket to casket until she reaches the window and pulls herself up. I didn't notice the language of casket to casket until now. Death to death. Yeah, big sad. Not big sad. Again, Arya has insane upper body strength. Good for you, girl. At the window, she can see the bailey and the tower of the hand. There's a dead man in stark colors who's face down, dead, and the wooden door is splintered and broken. No, she whispered. What was happening? Where was her father? Why had the red cloaks come for her? She remembered what the man with the yellow beard had said the day that she had found the monsters. If one man can die, why not a second? A secondo. (laughs) Arya felt tears in her eyes. She held her breath to listen. Big sad. Um, again... Sorry, I ruined the tone there. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. We need it. We need it. There's fighting, shouts, steel on steel. It all comes from the Tower of the Hand, and she could not go back. Ooh, again, Daenerys. Daenerys Literally. Yeah. They killed Jory and Will and Heward and the guardsmen on the step. They could kill her father, too. And her. So true. You don't say. So true, bestie. (laughs) (laughs) About that. Yeah. Shit's pretty fucked. (laughs) Yeah, so again, as Arya keeps, you know, doing her Dune references, she starts to see what we were saying a few chapters ago, like, what did Joffrey and Rob want true swords for? Like, they were just playing in a yard, same as Arya had been during her dancing lessons as she realizes watching Sirio, like, you want to use real swords? Well, alright, this is the price of using real swords. People die, including your loved ones, because swords are for war, they're not a toy. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that she thinks this because... (laughs) Uh, Get ready to use yours, buddy. Real soon. Bummer. Bummer for all, especially Arya and the dead people. Uh, (laughs) And dad. Dad, no. (laughs) Dad. Dad, no. Something is so sad about that look of longing that she gives to her old chambers, right? She's like, I could go back. I could just be inside, barred, like imagine, which is where Sansa is stuck. Right. And so there's something so literal and metaphorical about them right now being separated by these goddamn red bricks of King's Landing. And that divide shows again, uh, metaphorical and literal, when Sansa is on stage and Arya's on the ground during the execution. So it's a great, sad divide, especially considering everything you've spoken about with their complementary skills and personalities and their duality, right? How they complement one another. It's very sad because they're literally separated by these red bloody bricks of King's Landing right now, trying to get their way back home. Yeah, and I think something that stands out later on in Arya's chapters is when she remembers the moment of her father's death, what she remembers is her sister screaming. Mm -hmm. Like, that's her memory of it. Ugh. Ugh. Fear cuts deeper than swords. She squirms into the yard and realizes the Red Keep is a ghost town. The inhabitants must all be barred inside in their rooms. She now stares at that bedchamber and she moves in the shadows, pretending instead of catching cats that she's the cat. 
but this time, if they catch her, she's dead. No kisses. Great bar. No kisses. Um, <laughs> I love that bar. <laughs> she's the cat, and I like that transformation because she is, right? She becomes cat of the canals later on. But also, as we've discussed last chapter, cats can be anywhere, just as Arya is going to be anywhere Right, and she becomes a cat not just to become lithe and fast and slippery on this physical level, but so that she becomes no different than any of the other cats out there on the street. It's just like this tomcat that Sirio saw as well earlier on, right? And I thought that was an interesting call out with the tomcat and Sirio saying that, you know, that means that the cat was male. And we keep saying that, oh, her, her regarding this cat, right? Not female. And it plays with gender, same as Arya's story does. As she becomes, she transforms from being Arya of Winterfell, Ned Stark's youngest daughter, to Ari, orphan boy of Flea Bottom. That's a good boy. Eh? Yeah, I love eh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they need to see. Yes. So good. So good. Just like then later with Elaine, it's the same lesson Sansa gets with Littlefinger when he says, no, 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 you can't wear that dress. You cannot wear your dead aunt's dress. Sorry, that one right there, buddy, looks just like you as your mom. Well, that's a that's an interesting point now when that I just realized again of how their storylines complement one another, Sansa's and Arya's. Arya's learning how to hide within the shadows. Sansa's learning to hide in plain sight, mm -hmm. right? In front of everyone. Yep. It's amazing. It's brilliant. I love, I love them. I love two girls. <laughs> it's us. No, I'm just kidding. It's Arya and Sansa. <laughs> I do love us. Um, Arya reaches the stables without incident, hunched in the shadows, and comes across Holin, the master at horse from Winterfell, Aww. who's unfortunately seen better days because he is slumped <laughs> at the stable door, stabbed so many times that it looks like his tunic has scarlet flowers in it. Arya is certain he's dead, but as she gets closer, his eyes are open and he whispers, Arya Underfoot, you must warn your lord father, he says, frothy blood bubbling at his lips as if she didn't. He closes his eyes, he's dead, he's gone, that was it, it was her last little, last little goodbye. Bah, bah, bah. I, don't, I, I don't really understand to an extent too, I'm like, so you think that they haven't already gotten to Ned? Right. Uh, well, to be fair, in your final moments after you're bleeding out after being stabbed so many times, I don't know if your thoughts are necessarily coherent. And also, it just might be with your last breath, your hope. Yeah. Or, I don't know, George just wanted to really hurt us a little. Well, he is, sure. he succeeded. I'm fucking in pain, so. That's true. Yeah, reminder, Helen, father of Harwin whom Arya encounters later on as part of the Brotherhood, who calls her by that same name that Holland uses just now, that Arya Underfoot. You know, I want to say, and to Arya's credit, she did warn her father last chapter. Yeah. I was here. <laughs> we were here. I was literally here. I read that chapter. I so. saw it. Yeah. But it's his dying wish. It's his last moment to be a hero as he bleeds out. I get it. Inside, there are more bodies of dead people that she knows. It's going good. Uh, a groom she wants to play with, three of her father's household guard, a wagon stands abandoned, likely the one that was being loaded for the trip to the docks, and one of the corpses is Desmond. Close to him is a dead man in the red cloak and lion crest of the Lannisters. She thinks only one, though, 
Every northerner is worth ten of these southern swords, Desmond had told her. You liar, she said, kicking his body in a sudden fury. Uh, uh, it so much, yeah. I hurt. Arya had planned to mount one of the horses, but they're restless, snorting from the scent of blood. She heads towards the wagon and notices her chest in there. And the wood is split, likely having been dropped during the surprise attack, and she sees the silks and the velvets that she never wore. She finds a heavy woolen cloak, a velvet skirt, tunic, and small clothes, a dress that her mother had embroidered for her, as well as a <laughs> silver baby bracelet she could sell. She shoves the lid out of the way and finds needle, uh, worried before that someone had stolen it, but there it is, hidden under a satin gown. Once more reminds me of Sansa's chest as well, hiding that bloody cloak in the bottom. Mm-hmm. But this is devastating. Like, this is yeah. her entire childhood literally strewn across the ground, covered in blood of everyone that was sworn to protect her and her family, who'd been betrayed. Like, a baby bracelet. Okay, her mom's embroidery, the last bit of protection that her lady mother can give her, this embroidered dress, this is it. This is her childhood. It's been fucking, it's butchered. It's destroyed. This is awful. It's it's all, yeah, absolutely. And as you said, right, all those bodies and you were talking earlier about, like, oh, maybe this is no longer having a good childhood, right? Like, her friend, as you also reminded us earlier, has just died a bit ago. She was already big, sad, and grieving, and now, uh, look at all these other people that she can be sad about dying. I'm calling the cops on George. (laughs) I'm so serious right now. I literally have my phone dialed to call the cops. I am... He should be put away for this. He's hurting my feelings. You're just like this stable boy who interrupts her holding a pitchfork. What the fuck? That is... No, no. And now he's interrupting me. The pitchforks thing. (laughs) Uh, and says, there she is, as Arya pleads for him to help her saddle horse, offering that her father will reward him. But he advances toward her, saying that the queen will be the one rewarding him, and that her father's dead. I guess this kid's pretty good at seeing, too, because he's like, yeah, there she is. That's her. He has a pitchfork in hand, which again, haha, because it is usually a metaphor for an angry mob. It sometimes, not always, connotes like that they're unruly and not always justified. Sometimes they are justified. Not always, but... uh. Anyways, there's also, I think, a little bit of tension going on here with, like, the difference in their class, right? As she stares at these fine silks and satins that once belonged to her, whereas he's got this pitchfork, right? He's looking for this reward, and I don't know, who knows? Is he desperate? Is he not? But, you know, Arya's got to survive. Yeah, it's devastating because these, I mean, this child is already paid for by the Lannisters, right? Like, they put the food on his table. He takes that money and food to his family, right? Like, he knows that at the end of the day, he has to feed his family. And it goes back to that it's no matter to them if the High Lords play their Game of Thrones so long as they're left in peace, but they never are. And here, it's really sad, too, when you look around and you see, like, the the couple of Lannister guards that are dead and that they straight up hired these kids to do the rest of the job if they come back. So, like, you know, they were just slipped extra dragons, extra stags, sorry. Um, I'm going to get my hands cut off for saying that or my tongue cut out for huh. saying dragons in this city. <laughs> but you know that they uh, they probably were slipped, you know, extra stags. Here's some extra stags. Just make sure if this girl comes around here, you finish her off. 
didn't even put guards there to do it. They just said, hey, kid that works in the stable manually labors to pay for his family's existence, knowing he has no other options because he lives here probably in Flea Bottom. Here's some extra money. Kill the girl if she comes back. Yeah, or like bring her to us and... And yeah, what I would mean, he care? It's it's a rich girl. I mean, it's some rich girl he never met and has never done anything for him. Why should he care? Yeah, and she would be in a gilded cage, same as Sansa, right? Like, still living better than him materially, not mm-hmm. psychologically. Uh, Sansa undergoes a lot. Anyway, so does Arya. Arya does also undergo a lot. Yes. This kid grabs her arm and she shouts for him to stay away, and in a moment of terror, Arya... Forgets every single lesson she has learned while dancing and only remembers the very first one that she got from John. Stick him with the pointing end. And that is what she does. She drives the blade upward with a wild strength and the boy drops his pitchfork somewhere between gasping and sighing and he begs for her to take the blade out, grabbing at it with his hand and she does, which is probably that is how you die faster because he dies instantly. His hand's cut from the blade. What? You're, I don't think you're supposed to take it out. You have to block it. No, you're not. And people do yeah. that shit all the time, and then people die. Like, you're not supposed to. I've watched it. Not like he was going to survive, but my god. Yeah. Um, she backs away, and she realizes she has to run. She goes to saddle her horse, but then it's like, wait, the gates will be guarded and closed. She thinks there's another way out of the castle, remembering the dungeons. She gathers her clothing. She gets into it. She slips needle into the folds and ties the rest up into a baby bindle. She tries to remember how to get back below the castle, thinking of the serpentine steps and how they'd take her by the gold cloak barracks, how she would have to walk in plain sight past them and be disguised. And I do have to say, coming back to Dune references, uh, it reminds Mm. me of having to walk in the rhythm so as to not attract the sandworms. I do think there's a little bit of that here, too, to make sure that you're walking and, you know, being invisible to them. Yeah, it's almost like it, I guess, really influenced George, but... um. We're a Dune podcast now. <laughs> Are we? I have to reread it. We're a Dune the best we can. We, we are. My fun fact <laughs> is my partner read Dune and like read all of it and was like, I don't. why do these get so bad? Why is this so different? Um, he never realized <laughs> that the author changed. <laughs> he was like, why are these so different now? Uh, anyway, we get a call back to Arya's previous chapter where... She knows that the castle gates will be closed and guarded because she's already experienced it once, so good thing she learned that lesson, and of course, now that she knows of the other secret passageways, and I kind of feel, to an extent, like there's a metaphor here about the secret passageways and about there being other paths in society than the one that mm. was set out for her being a lady of the house, right? Just because of the sex that she was born into, and... There's a lot of fluidity of gender in Arya's story, as Lo has pointed out, and Lo wrote in about how being born a woman as it's an assignment that can be taken up or refused, and also the dangers in being recognized as a woman like that come with that assignment, and how Arya seeks shelter by being perceived or recognized as a boy instead, and whether or not Arya takes up the assignment of womanhood at large, she does refuse what womanhood is in the way that Westeros has assigned it, and especially as it is tied to her own class in terms of being a lady and a princess and that kind of performance. She takes this secret passageway, another path, and how it offers Arya safety. Psychologically in a bit, too. I love that, especially because later when we think of Brienne, 
Brienne gets mm. her big battle at the end of the crossroads where she stands kind of her ground on who she is as a knight. Who yes. she is as a woman and a knight and a person. Um, I think that's very astute. And not to take all the great emotion out of what you just said, but also, oh, here are all the secret passageways. Duh. Duh, yeah. There I they mean, are. Arya it... knows them. And that's interesting. That could have some connotations for the Winds of Winter or oh. maybe a Dream of Spring that Arya knows some of these secret passageways and how to get into King's Landing. That's a great point. And it also, I kind of wonder, will that go together with Davos' story too a little? You know, Davos smuggling... Lord knows what. I don't even know what he'll smuggle, but like he's he knows a bunch of things about secret passageways, and mm. I do. I I think that's a good call out about her knowing it. We we know it comes back in Tyrion's story, but it's interesting because I don't know timing of everything. How anything could work out in this story, right? I'm not George, unfortunately. I don't have these books in my brain. I don't have them <laughs> under my chair, even though I joke that I do. But that said, I can see. Not logically with time, because there's going to be eight more books, but I-, I can see where Arya going back to King's Landing is a thing. This book especially has so many moments where maybe he really was thinking about getting her back there at some point in the story. Maybe he's in not. In our lives, but yeah. In our yeah. lives. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, but, but I see it now, like especially uh, the last chapter when those rocks fall at the entrance, reminiscent of King's Landing coming down. Ooh, and yeah, good point. Not to be a dick, but I'm like... I see where D&D took some of their ideas from the source material. Like, well, this happened here. What if this happened? You know, I see some inspiration in Arya's plot now because she's learning so many things in King's Landing. I can see where that bitch would go back. Yeah, I but I it. do think that I think so, to one point that I would disagree with is I don't know that D&D took it from here. I think that George is building on what D&D laid out. Oh um, my god. Because <laughs> you, you just started the wrong source material. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Our canon, it's upside down. It's uh, upside down. Uh, Arya is too frightened to move and hears a voice in her head. Whether her own or whether it's Sirio's voice echoing. Calm as still water, quiet as a shadow. She wants to run and hide, but makes herself move slowly one foot in front of the other. Fear is the mind killer. She keeps her gaze on the ground and she makes it across to the sept. She stuffs a few candles into her sleeves from the back window and heads to an alley, the one that she had cornered Valyrian the cat within. I just remembered Sam's storyline too. One foot in front of the other, sobbing. Crying. Sobbing. Fear. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things to be afraid of in that Sam chapter. Uh, it also reminds me a little bit of, you know, Will Perry from His Dark Materials and mm. how he's able to walk in a way so as to not stand out, right? Like, just act like you belong here, become unnoticeable. And so, saw a little bit of that. Usually Lyra is the one who's compared to Arya in my head. The Sept offering Arya safety for a moment. I like that. It's kind of like how the Godswood offers safety to Sansa. And it reminds me of Feast, yeah, when she has the beautiful temple surrounding her. At the House of Black and White? Like, the temple, yeah, the House of Black and White, yeah, Yeah, like, being surrounded by those gods. Yeah, especially because, like, there's some woman weeping there, and I'm like, there's a lot of people crying in that House of Black and White. Oh, yeah, that too. Like, people are crying, they're like, kill me now. The weeping woman with the weeping woman. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I I, I find kind of, and I think religion is such a, a facet of... For, you know, some of these people in the lower class in Westeros, too, 
right? Mm-hmm. The gods, and in our world, too, like, we we do have religion as something we can cling to. Uh, we come off of Aaron's chapters, right, where we see that he found great solace in having faith in something, and it's not a bad thing, you know? It's just a bad thing when it blinds you to a certain yeah. extent, or when you utilize that faith to persecute others or infringe on their basic human rights. But um, glossing over that, like, it's interesting that Arya's connection to the small folk and then also keeps bringing her back to some of these religious places throughout her storyline. That's a good point, especially because as you, you talked about the temple, right? The House of Black and White is an incredibly religious place. There's like a shit ton of different statues of different deities there, right? And the idea that the many-faced god is all just one. And I mean, Arya's a lot like the stranger of the Seven in many ways. Faceless and not necessarily like being tied to one gender times but also i mean that's what the seven are right or mm-hmm. again like the many-faced god as opposed to being the seven like the who are one gods yeah there's seven they're all different faces um malleable and i think that's interesting considering that sansa is the one that therefore then is associated with the old gods as opposed to Arya. Mm-hmm. um yeah hmm hmm so Arya makes her way through the cellars, finding a low, narrow window that goes towards the dungeons and dragons. Uh, she tosses her bundles through, <laughs> doubling back to light her candles, close staring off in the distance like, why am I here? <laughs> Arya holds the candle over her head, and with each step she takes, the shadows move against the walls like they're watching her pass. See dragons, she whispers, sliding needle out of her cloak to make her feel more confident. That's how I feel about my accessories too, Arya. Instead of going left to the entrance of the well, she chooses to turn right, moving slowly enough to keep her candle lit. There are rats watching her with glowing eyes. It's me. That's Aliana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can all see the stable boy against the shadows, his blood still dripping, and oh. she thinks of cutting her candle. Ooh, that's great. And again, I-, I can see where a lot of this could come back in books. Um, the cutting the candle. I could see, Just like you know, that happened in season it. eight. It, yeah, that happened. Was it eight? No, it was five, right? Five or six when she does. Oh, I guess it was five. Wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was five. Whatever season of war, Eliana. <laughs> oh, uh, when she cuts a candle. One. Yeah. yeah. See, they read the books. It's just they read them badly. I know a lot of you that read them badly too. So whatever. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> a lot of my it. friends are bad I'm at reading the up, books too. That it. doesn't mean. Dang. Hot takes today, everyone. So to close out the chapter, and almost a very positive note compared to the trauma that Arya is experiencing right this moment. Mm. Uh, she decides to think of a different memory of a different time she was scared. Maybe a simpler time. When she was younger, in the crypts of Winterfell with her siblings, Rob had taken them all down. Sansa, her baby brother Bran, they had only one candle between them, and Rob took them all the way to show them their own tombs. Past Aunt Lyanna, past Uncle Brandon, and past their dead grandfather, too. Sansa was scared. Old Nan once told them all the spiders walked the crypts and rats big as dogs. I'm pretty sure... Old Nan just didn't want you fucking around down there. Um, Rob told them there are worse things than spiders and rats. This is where the dead walk. (laughs) Uh, Get ready. Um, They heard a moan. Baby Bran clutched Arya's hand. The spirit stepped out, pale white, moaning for blood. Blood. 
Sansa <laughs> runs shrieking. Bran sobs. I don't know why the ghost sounds just like John. Uh, wrapped around Rob's legs. Bran is just crying his little ass off. Poor sucker. But Arya stands there, punching the spirit, because the spirit, <laughs> of course, is John, covered in flour. Aw. You stupid! You scared the baby! But John and Rob <laughs> just laughed and laughed, and pretty soon <laughs> Bran and Arya were laughing too. The memory made Arya smile, and after that the darkness held no more terrors for her. The stable boy was dead. She'd killed him. And if he jumped out after, she'd kill him again. She <laughs> was going home. Everything would be better when she was home again, safe behind Winterfell's gray granite walls. Her footsteps sent soft echoes hurrying ahead of her as Arya plunged deeper into the darkness. <laughs> Good for you, girl. It's pretty funny when you read it. I like it. You should read all the books to me. Um, I don't like books unless you read them to me. <laughs> Eliana audiobook. Yeah, my my version of what is it? The rascally voice from Out of the Way, old man. <laughs> I love the placement of this memory because something we often see Arya doing in these chapters, as brought up previously, because Eliana fucking loves it. I just like the way her face lights up when Arya says stuff about her family. She gets really excited. Um, shut up, I don't even like you. But. <laughs> Arya clings to that idea of family and home to comfort herself as she does uncomfortable things, just like here. And later, right, uh, in Feast, when we get that famous needle passage, the memory comes, bittersweet to comfort her in darkness and urge her forward onto the unknown. Also, of course, loving that John played the spirit that comes back from the dead. You know, mm. the ghost, the capital G ghost that comes back from the dead. Uh, cute, maybe foreshadowing. Right? That, uh, what does it he's... mean? What does it mean, George? Stabby, stab, stab. Stab him again and again. Thirteen times? How many? How many? But what, what does it mean, Chloe? What does it mean? Because he's gonna die and then come back from the dead. John, yeah. the ghost. The capital the ghost. G ghost. Ghost, yeah. ghost. Na, 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 na. I'm really bad at lyrics. And, like, mutual Mokota. Um... <laughs> Oh, smushing your boo! What at the neutral smushing your boo at the neutral milk hotel? Oh, is that a meme that I don't know? Um, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, John's not the only one who's dead, but he's just way more dead, very literally. Um, Arya is dead too, metaphorically. Starting at this moment, Arya Mysterio killed her. You'll think about it at the beginning of this chapter. Oh, shit. And she is, like, gone. Everyone just calls her dead. Oh, shit. Dead girl. Dead girl. Dead girl. Right, boy? Yep. He's saying, that's a silly dead girl, earlier on. Anyways, yeah, you're talking about the darkness, but, like, that memory of her family kind of helping her to keep go going on. As we'll see, like, she'll keep that. Um, even as, you know, the darkness becomes no longer scary, right? Like, she, as she no longer fears, you know, murdering people, as we see right here. And uh, she gives herself to the darkness for the next book, few books and uh, murders a lot of people. She doesn't reach home. She has not reached home yet because that's just how the books are right now. And the metaphor of darkness, right? Like, it's this wilderness where Arya is lost. Not just, like, literally because she's in Bravos, which is very far away, but also she herself, 
the self of Arya is lost and dead. And also even maybe that kind of sense of morality as she murders a lot of people. And <laughs> <laughs> there's also, I think, something else tying into that, right? As she disappears into the darkness, the darkness of the long night. The long night, that's, that's a metaphor too, in a different way. And before she can finally emerge into the light again and back to the warmth of home in the 10th book, she's got to go through <laughs> the shadow. God. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right, not the 10th book, like the, I don't know, 14th. 17th, yeah. Book. Yeah, maybe. At best. I like what you're saying about, um, you know, murder coming people? out of that darkness in the oh, murder. Word. I like what you're talking about, about, oh, worm, all the murder. Uh, that's my favorite part, mostly, about what you just said, but the, the rest of it was good, too. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> murder? Uh, not just that, but, like, you keep talking about the darkness, which is a band I really like. The mm. darkness that you keep quoting? No, I'm just kidding. But to quote them, I believe in a thing called love, right? Wow. Like, just wow. listen to the rhythm of your heart. That's, that... I think, Arya, that might be it. The darkness. The Song of Ice and Fire? Oh. Touching you. Touching me. Oh, and that comes back to the things that, that Siri was saying about senses. You know, you have to touch, mm -hmm. feel with your skin. I believe in a thing called love. Damn, every time I sing it, I just sound like the Quizno Sub song with the little oh, I whatever love that they were. Song, though. We, should, we should bring that song back somehow in an episode. I don't know how. To eat. Ooh. Quiznos, I, maybe you're not as big anymore, but you can sponsor us. Well, Eliana, as I finish off. A sparkling black Ooh. raspberry liqueur. Oh, sponsor liqueur. us, liqueur. Sponsor, sponsor us. us. Yeah, we haven't I've had asked for it in a while. <laughs> We've been so patient. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to sponsor point us. out this is not an ad. We are not sponsored by anyone except for our Yet. patrons. They unfortunately sponsor and enable all of our poor behavior yeah, that you've do. witnessed here today in the last hour and a half. Thanks for listening, but, uh, you know, even though it's not an ad, LaCroix, I'll rep you. You should rep us, I think. You should rep us. So, thanks for listening to Arya 4 in A Game of Thrones. We will be back with Arya 5 shortly in the next week. But in the meantime, you can find us at a variety of places. There's a lot of places. And first of all, you can find us on social media now on Twitter. Twitter. X. X. Um, at Girls Gone Canon. And you can also find us on Blue Sky. Blue, blue skies stars. are blue. Yeah. You can find us individually there or at Girls Gone Canon. Get looking. Get looking. Get looking. You can and also send us emails of your cats at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. You sure fucking can. And... Thanks to our friends and patrons who, like I said, sponsor the shit out of us, enable what we do every week. Couldn't do this podcast if it wasn't for them. And here's a word from those patrons and sponsors right now. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier or above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And 
By joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and you won't regret it. As most of the time slash always, trying to keep it fresh, I have been one of your hosts, as time in the hourglass, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana, a dead girl. Oh my god. Hey, Eliana, what's on your ceiling? Uh, you know what? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again, as former President George Bush, George W. Bush, sorry, said. <laughs> Thanks, we'll see in, you next week. Bye. I saying in Tennessee. Maybe it's in Texas, but maybe you have it here also in Tennessee. <laughs> you got it here on Girls Got a Cannon. You're the only 10 I see. Bravos. Goodbye. <laughs>